Welcome to HashiCast, the self-proclaimed number one podcast about the world of DevOps practices, tools, and practitioners. So welcome to HashiCasts, and we've got two very exciting guests on the show today. We've got Zachary Deptower, who's a cloud developer advocate at Microsoft, and... We've got a very special guest. We have Christy Kayla, who is the new developer advocate at HashiCore and a member of the same team that Misha and I work on. So we're, we're really excited to, to have you both on the, on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm totally excited to be here. So I'm, um, I'm, I've been looking forward to recording this, this episode for quite a while. And, and Zach, now I follow you on Twitter. So I see you've got three goats. Now, yes. specifically, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, but please don't omit what the story behind those goats. So, um, so yeah, my name is Zachary Deptow. I'm a cloud developer advocate for Microsoft. Um, and I've been um, sort of all over the tech industry, mostly focused on hosting um, and kind of every sort of role that you can think of for that that kind of uh, industry or, or this industry. And um, yeah, the, uh, the goats, we have three Nigerian dwarf goats. Uh, they're teeny little guys. Um, we took those goats on from a friend who had, um, unfortunately they had, uh, their house burned down on their farm and they needed some assistance and they were, they were getting, uh, uh, they were trying to place these goats with someone in their weathers. So they're, they're males, but they're kind of useless, uh, and, and hilarious. And so, uh, nobody really wanted them. So we took them on, they're our pets. Um, and we just, they're, they're awesome, awesome little pets. They look great. They, they kind of look like my, my dumbest dog. <laughs> in a sense of like the antics that they get up to. They're like uh, simultaneously super smart and just super ridiculous at the same time. And that's, I just love watching them. Are they the kind of goats that you have to keep away from everything because they'll eat everything? So yeah, they eat literally, I mean, a- anything that they can, they can, uh, you know, get, get their hands on, um, which they don't really have hands, but uh, anything that they can get access to, they will, they will destroy it, especially if it's flowers or uh, plants or anything like that. That sounds pretty useful. You ever thought about renting them out to the community for maybe like lawn duty or anything? Yeah, so uh, that's actually a thing. Like people rent packs or herds of uh, goats out here to clear property, which is kind of amazing. Um, they drop, I don't even know, I think you pay per, per goat, but they drop goats off at the property um, along with a uh, an animal that will protect them, uh, a guardian animal. And then they come pick them up when they're done. So uh, they get paid to feed their goats, which is kind of awesome. So we need to talk after we finish the recording here, but I've got the idea of a startup. Um, oh my God. Yeah, It's going to be awesome. Anyway, um, I digress. Zach, um, you, you've been working in the industry for quite a, for quite a while. Before you were, you were at Microsoft, you were at another big uh, company. Do you want to sort of give us the lowdown on, on your career and, and also tell us how you got started? I think it's, a, I love to ask this question and find out, like, how did people get started in the industry? Was it by design or by mistake? Yeah, so um, I've been kind of all over the place. I've been um, in startups. I've been in big companies. Um, I started, though, as a uh, computer re- uh, repair technician back, um, man, that was a long time ago. That was when I was 18 or so. Um, but I was repairing computers. I was building new computers for a local company called Altex uh, in San Antonio, Texas. And um, from that point, Rackspace uh, offered me a job to do monitoring, uh, which is basically watching you know, a screen full of 
green dots. And when any of them turned red, I'd create a ticket and get it over to an engineer. Um, but from there, Rackspace really taught me everything I know about Linux. I had never touched Linux before. And uh, I popped around from um, places like Sprout Social as a startup that I was at. Um, I went to um, uh, Amazon uh, Web Services for a little while and uh, also another startup locally called Clear Data. Um, yeah, so I've just kind of been all over the map uh, doing pretty much every job you can think of in this industry, except for pure sales. I've never done pure sales. Sales is tough. That's yeah. the one thing that I couldn't do. I'm, I'm way too honest to do sales. Um, I would end up giving everything away, which is not a, it's not a great business model. Yeah. I had a question about your like transition from, from, I think you said Rackspace to Sprout Social, right? Yes. So that, those are two different, like people don't know, like those are completely two different businesses, right? Like Rackspace is this cloud hosting business and, and multiple other services that they, they provide to the customers. And Sprout Social is a social media management company, which is completely different. So what were, the, what were your roles in each of those companies and how did you find that transition? Yeah, so Rackspace, I was at Rackspace for right under six years. And so um, I had done everything from uh, monitoring technician, support specialist, Linux administrator, um, uh, lead technician on accounts where I was the, the lead Linux engineer. And um, the so, yeah, that that was more of a, a kind of I, a one to many. I had many customers that I supported and moving to Sprout Social, I became kind of like the lead you know, Linux engineer just internally for one, supporting one infrastructure, um, which was cool. It allowed me to focus in more on that infrastructure and the requirements of uh, Sprout Social uh, directly versus like kind of the Rackspace was more of the overarching um, architecture and direction. But this was, you know, I had my hands on it and um, I was making changes, migrating databases, uh, doing a lot of cool work there. Um, and I actually left Sprout Social and went back to Rackspace um, after everything was kind of calm and just humming along at Sprout Social, Rackspace needed me back for um, the automation uh, automation team they were starting up. They needed somebody who knew Chef, and I picked up my Chef skills over at uh, Sprout Social, so it all kind of worked out. Very complimentary. That's awesome. Now, I see that you've just had your, um, I don't know whether it's an annual thing, but, but you've just had a big gathering of the cloud developer advocates um, over at Microsoft. The first question is, that looked like a lot of fun. So can Christy, Misha, and I have an invite for next year? And uh, the, the main question is, what was going on? What were you talking about? Um, it, it, as I say, just give us the lowdown. It, it sounded it sounded like a fun, fun do. Yeah, so that's the uh, Cloud Developer Advocate Summit that happens. Um, I think we're right now, we're doing it about every, I don't want to say quarter. Um, I should know this. We're, we're doing it uh, twice a year at least. Uh, but that basically every CDA in the company or every cloud developer advocate in the company. Um, and we actually have cloud operations advocates as well now. So we call this uh, kind of CXA, I think is so, so advocates, the advocates at Microsoft come together um, at headquarters in Redmond. And we talk about interesting new things that are coming down the line, things that we're working on. Um, it's kind of like a mini uh, conference in, in that we even actually give talks to each other. We have people that say, hey, I've got this interesting topic and we all vote on it and we hear these sessions uh, from other advocates that work with us. So it's really cool. Um, something that's super awesome that happened this time, and I, I want to mention it because it's amazing. Uh, Allison Krug does an awesome job um, at taking care of all of us and helping us with uh, setting up conferences and getting all these things aligned. Um, the swag, because we get swag at our own summit, uh, the swag was heavily focused on the people that support us. So they had they gave us swag 
for the people around us that we care about and that care about us. So I had swag to bring home for my wife, for my kids, for my That's dog. Incredible. Like, um, it was such an awesome, uh, uh, thing to see. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's super thoughtful. That's really nice. And, and I think one of the, obviously the important parts is, is the focus on, on the learning. So do you get the opportunity to sort of be privy to maybe new technologies and, and, and stuff, which Microsoft are working now, which will obviously be, be announced in due time, but do you kind of get like a heads up on, on what they're going to be and maybe get early access to those before the general public? Yeah. And, and we, we generally get that, um, sort of as the year goes on anyway, we're, we're in early release for lots of things. Um, and we have information that, you know, uh, we can't give out, but, uh, yeah, for sure that if there's something interesting that's about to launch or that we need to know about relatively soon at the summit, we'll hear about it there. Um, but also via emails just all the time. Can we get an exclusive? Yeah, I was just going to say. Is this being recorded? No. Uh, so one of, one of my questions was regarding the team growth. And I think you and I talk a lot about this. Is like as your team's growing, uh, you know, you have, I think, I don't know, your, your, your team, just your smaller team, I feel like is growing so much in like the past one year. So what are the challenges that you see of like, you know, working remotely, uh, collaborating on projects together, exchanging ideas? Uh, what are the challenges there? And what are like the breakthroughs that you think you your team has kind of uh, come to um, in terms of like communication and stuff like that? Yeah, I think, and, and this is kind of an ongoing battle because I've worked remote and in office um, on and off for the last, I guess for my whole career actually. Um, but uh, yeah, there is, there's kind of, you, you almost have to remind yourself that uh, you don't want to be out on this little island, you know, by yourself. You want to involve other other uh, teammates and uh, collaborate. Uh, luckily on our team and on, actually in our entire org, uh, we're fairly open with, hey, I'm working on this cool thing if anybody wants to join in. Um, we also do uh, live hacking sessions. Uh, Aaron Wisling is a, a, a coworker on my direct small team. And uh Oftentimes he says, "Hey, I'm hacking on this thing. You want to come check it out, and and we'll uh, we'll jump on together if we both have time." Um, so we're fairly good at at always trying to include. Um, but I, I I mean, just to be honest, there are times where I forget, and I'm in my own little world for you know a few weeks at a time, um, and I have to climb out of that cave and you know um, get back into the uh, the team kind of swing of things. What have you um you've been doing quite a few a few sort of videos? I've seen you in a couple of Azure videos recently. Um, one with a certain co-presenter on this uh, this podcast who, who will remain nameless. I think that was one of the weaker videos that you've done, just by the way. But um, <laughs> the other ones are generally really, really cool. And you're talking a lot about open source technology. And like, I like this. I like the new Microsoft that, that talks about open source technology. Yeah, I know. It's totally awesome. I Honestly, I never thought as a Linux engineer that I would ever say that I work for Microsoft in any capacity. I, I never thought the day would come that I would ever even be approached by Microsoft to interview for a role. Um, but yeah, I've been doing a video series on Terraform, which you guys, do, do y'all know? Y'all know what Terraform is, right? I, I'm not sure if y'all. I've, I've, yeah, I've heard of it. Like I've what is that? It, it's like some something. It's it's pretty decent for. Um, I think it allows you to move files up to FTP or something. Yeah, it's all via SSH and SCP and uh, other other acronyms. No, uh, but yeah, uh, Mishra and I did a, a video series uh, recently on. Uh, I think we covered Terraform. We covered Vault a little bit, um, and Mishra actually did an Azure Friday recently, which was really awesome. 
uh, with uh, Scott Hanselman. I think uh, that was on Kubernetes, uh, right, Mishra? Yeah, that was on AKS uh, workloads using Terraform. That's awesome. It was an awesome... Uh, yeah, that was a lot product. of fun to do. I think that even the video series was interesting because I think, as you said, we covered like Terraform, Vault, and Packer, and they all are pretty distinct, the space, uh, basically the space that they target. They're, they're very kind of distinct as tools. And I think hopefully we were able to bring it all together in a way that people learned something in that, you know, I don't know, I think we had like 12, 13 minutes or something for a video, but I hope people like it. <laughs> Let's focus a little bit on Kubernetes because I don't know if you know this, Zach, but Kubernetes is a Google product. Yes. <laughs> what, so, I mean, I think this is awesome, but what's the deal? So Microsoft is now comfortable to use um, a sort of a, a, a product which comes out of a sort of a Google research and, and is really backing this. I mean, Brennan Burns is now a member of the team and you've got some other amazing sort of developers who, who've either contributed to that ecosystem or in the past or are currently doing so and, and are really trying to sort of drive it forward. Um, I've used Kubernetes on, on Azure. Uh, AKS is like super easy to use. It works seem incredibly well as far from my experiences. Can you, can you tell us about that and about the journey and, and maybe where things are going with Kubernetes over, over in Azure? Yeah, so we um, we have a few container services, um, uh, specifically um, like ACI, AKS, uh, but the Kubernetes service that you're you're talking about there um, is is getting a lot of attention. Um, and uh, yeah, we're so Microsoft in general has just been totally embracing what the community is needing and what the community loves. And Kubernetes kind of came out as the de facto winner um, in that battle uh, for uh, for managing. Um, you know, these, these kinds of workloads. And so, yeah, Microsoft's totally uh, on board with that. Um, we're building tooling around it uh, constantly. We also work on, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the tools, Draft, Helm, um, Brigade. Yeah. yeah, so we've got some other tooling that uh, is also open source that, that's great for uh, uh, containers and, and Kubernetes workloads as well. Uh, but yeah, Microsoft has, we're really paying attention to the community. That's the the big thing um, that, and I hate to say this is all surprising to me, but as a <laughs> Linux engineer who had never ever looked to uh, Microsoft Azure to use for any kind of purpose, um, in fact, when I interviewed here, I had still never logged into the portal. There's there was no reason for me to at that time, um, and so it was a very interesting interview. They actually told me in the interview, uh, you know, side story here. They told me in the interview, don't touch it, don't log in. Uh, if you're hired, we're going to give you some tasks to do, put you down in front of the portal, and we're going to record it. And uh, we're going to see how hard it is for you to do these things, and we're going to send that product feedback back to the teams. Nice. And that's exactly what happened. Um, they sat me down and gave me some tasks to do in the portal, and I fumbled around, and they said, you know, what did you feel about these things? And that feedback went straight to the product teams. And that's actually what I do now is if yeah. people are having problems with these products, I get that back to the engineering team um there's so much focus on the community it's it's kind of obsessive uh but at the same time it's amazing i think especially in our role i feel like the other side's kind of unseen you know like as cloud developer advocates or developer ad advocates we we hardly get to showcase the, the feedback cycle which is like we go out there speak at conferences and people are like oh like your life is so glamorous like you're traveling and then you're speaking at conferences but the other side is actually much more difficult which is to bring back and filter all the feedback that you see in the field filter it and kind of make it so that it resonates with the product organization and hopefully they're able to consume it in a way that's like useful for the product 
uh, roadmap and, and setting direction. So I think like, yeah, yeah, I think, you know, big hats off to Microsoft that they're able to do that from day one. It was literally day one for you, which is pretty crazy. Uh, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm really happy about that. And it's nice to see an API centric um, approach as well. I, um, I feel it's really, really important and, and not just because I'm a Terraform fan and a fan of a, a sort of declarative and, and um, codified infrastructure, but, but I think it's really important just in general to, to be able to have that repeatability and, and consistency. The, the portal's great. I mean, don't get me wrong. It, it's, uh, it's nice and easy to use, but the fact that you've got those APIs and pretty good documentation as well. I mean, there's, there's a lot of really good getting started guides. Is that sort of, you know, the Microsoft of old was, has always been, was, was very heavy UI driven, but things seem to be changing. How, how does that sort of fit in with, with some, maybe some of the enterprise customers? Are they adopting a DevOps approach to things and, and sort of um, infrastructure as code and things? Well, so it was kind of surprising to me um, to, I had some internal conversations with uh, some other CDAs in the org and actually uh, more so the cloud operations advocates, because I was trying to understand, you know, uh, cloud developer advocate versus a cloud operations advocate. You know, I talk DevOps as well in my own job. And so I was trying to understand like, hey, how, how is this going to um, kind of mesh uh, well? And we work really well together, but I was just more curious. Um, and there's still such a very big um, kind of internal struggle and in like trying to have that paradigm shift of even um, doing things manually versus going the DevOps route. I've been living that for a long time. And so I often forget that people are still having those first thoughts about doing this in an automated fashion, doing infrastructure as code kind of work. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still, there's still this big uh, need for, for that kind of paradigm shift in the enterprise segment. We do see a lot of people adopting it and, and you know, what's helping um, is the tools like the Azure CLI super, super, super straightforward. Um, and that is, in my opinion, it's an easy way for people to slowly get into the idea of using um, more of an API-driven, you know, uh, uh, work way of working, I guess I should say. Great, great day zero approach. Yeah. yeah. Even the Azure shell, I feel, is like a big enhancement to like the whole console, uh, you know, experience alongside with like the, the CLI experience. I feel like, and the integration with, with docs, like docs.microsoft.com has like this, like, uh, I think you tweeted about it or something. I think I follow you on Twitter and I think you, you talked about how, that just the shell the shell just complements the documentation really well and and i think that's like an interesting approach to learning something so talk talk, talk through like uh, you know why make that decision and why make it so that like uh, you would you would you know why is it useful for people to kind of try things as they learn yeah so i, I know when i'm going through and learning something and and this is this could be just me I, I know there are other people that probably feel this way but for me to learn something i have to actually do it like i need to be on a terminal, on a server, um, or wherever I need to be, I, I need to actually step through that process. And so, um, yeah, you just mentioned the cloud shell um, available in our docs. And it's that's really awesome because it's like, hey, here's this block of code. Uh, this is what it's going to do. Now, if you want to try it, click this button. It pops open a shell right where you are. And you can literally step through what you're doing um, on a terminal in your browser that is interacting with your, your Azure account. Um, so you'll actually be building, you know, or destroying or whatever you're doing. You'll actually be doing that in your Azure account. You don't have to deal with credentials or authentication or anything like that. It's already authenticated once you've logged in. Uh, but that's super powerful because it's not flipping around screens. It's not 
opening a terminal somewhere and forgetting where you put it and, you know, alt tabbing around. Um, it's super duper handy and straightforward. Um, and just, I, I always rant about it whenever I run across that. I'm like, Hey, have you seen this thing? Like, this is amazing. I, I don't know. I just, I, I love it. And now we even have a version of VS code in the portal. So if you open your, your cloud shell and you, uh, type code, it will open up VS code in your browser. So it's just, it's neat what we're, what we're adding, uh, every day. I don't know. So on the VS code thing, um, I want to give a big shout out to your VS Code team because I think it, it's a it's an awesome product. I mean, I'm a, a diehard Vim user, and anything that gets me to use anything else is is a big win. But I've um, I've really started to enjoy using VS Code, and, and one of the things I've especially enjoyed is one of the newer developments, which is VS Code Live Share. I think pairing is is incredibly important, and the ability to to do that from a, you know really easy very quick, seamless, slick setup. Brilliant. Like, as I say, I, I take my hat off. Big shout out to the team and, and anybody who worked on that. Um, I love it. It's a great, great piece of technology. It literally helps Nick and I connect. Like I'm in Vancouver and he's in London and we still are able to pair program on, on, on projects and conference talks and things like that. And it's super awesome. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I failed to pair program with somebody who's like sat three chairs down for me in my previous, uh, previous life. The fact that you can do it for over 5,000 miles and a, a rather large uh, expanse of water is, is incredible. Hey, Zach, I want to like, um, I want to wind things back just to a little bit more of some more fun topics, but I hear you are the pun master. Now, I've been racking my brains all day to come up with a, a kind of a segue into puns, but it was a little bit too much of a stretch. Oh, no racking my brains too much of a stretch oh my god nothing <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> uh, if i if i was on my uh my streaming my twitch streaming i would be hitting the little uh uh sound bite yeah tell, tell us about your love for puns is that a kind of a is that a bad thing or is that just a a, a thing that you've just always oh. had an obsession with it's uh it's kind of a blessing and a curse at the same time um everything that i say and i don't know why this is but everything that i say kind of goes through this internal uh, is there some ridiculous way to say it filter and so um and it's it's so instant uh, that that sometimes i don't even realize that i'm doing it we just had my uh my son's birthday uh here recently and there was uh oh somebody said t-rex because he's all about dinosaurs right now somebody said t-rex and immediately my brain was like, uh, why doesn't anybody, uh, or why does Triceratops, you know, have to drive? And because uh, T-Rex or Tyrannosaurus Rex. And so things like that pop up. And I didn't say that that weird joke at the birthday party because everyone knows me there. And so they there would be eyes rolling for days. But uh, I just don't know why. I don't know why these things happen. Um, I just have this filter. I don't know. It's an automatic thing. You 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 gotta create one for Hashicash. You gotta have one. You gotta have like you gotta leave us with one one of the one of your oh, best. No. I'll have to think. I'll have to think about it. So just back onto something a little bit more serious. I think um, when when we look back at technology over the last sort of 10, 15 years, I think it, it's fairly agreeable that things have come along a hell of you know a long long way. Um, there's been a, a huge amount of advance in technology. Where do you think things are going to go? What um, what's the future for technology over maybe the next ten or fifteen years? 
man, I, that's a, that's a tough question. Um, I, I honestly, uh, it's, it's weird because things seem to, uh, almost ebb and flow. Um, something interesting that I saw recently in an article and I can't remember the numbers, but, uh, something about like the NES, the Nintendo classic outselling the newer consoles, um, you know, for, for some period of time, which I thought was super interesting, uh, because that's, I know there's a collectability part of it, but that's also people kind of, it almost seems like people yearning for a more a simple time. I do think that the way that things have been moving, um, towards this more serverless, which, you know, is kind of funny to me, you know, it's, of course there is infrastructure behind that, um. It's, it's not my right. I'm not managing it right, but it is. There are servers back there somewhere. There are, uh, there is infrastructure back there. Um, but I think like the way that this is going is, and it feels that way. Everything continues to abstract uh, away further, and so I honestly don't know where things are going to go. I kind of feel like um, I didn't, I didn't know that I would be doing the things that I'm doing now and more of a development heavy side. Um, with the gear and the kind of tooling that I have now, but also when I think about things like VS Code Live Share, why didn't why didn't we have that years ago? It would have made life so much easier. Um, you know why why even I think back to uh, you know there was a time when I had to patch. I think it was like 40 servers. Uh, something had gone wrong, and we had to patch all these servers as quickly as possible. And I was using a terminal where I could um, send the input to all sessions, and so yeah. I was SSHing in all these servers and getting them ready, and then sending input to all terminal like. Why was I not scripting that in some form or fashion at that time? And this was a while ago. This was a long, long, long time ago. This is probably, I don't know, 2005, 2006. But even now that I think about that, like that was a silly uh, waste of time. Um, yeah. I think I think developers learn best via pain. I think you've got to you've got to go through a, a period of suffering because I think a lot of that stuff has got to be possible, but. Yeah, nobody just came up with the idea, but you're 100% right. The, the the problems certainly we're solving today with technology, like for technology, and I'm specifically talking about like infrastructure as code and stuff like that. That's that's not a new problem, but um, I'm happy to be living in an age when it when it does exist. That's that's 100% certain. I want to. Um, I've been dying to ask Christy some questions. Um, so for the for the audience. Um, Christy's joined us. You've been with us for maybe, I think, nearly three months now, Christy. Am I, am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, three months and a week. And I'm hoping that also our listeners are going to have the pleasure of you um, r- recording a HashiCast in the not-so-distant future. So you'll, you'll be part of the certainly this podcast landscape. Yeah, definitely. And just to throw you in at the deep end, because we like to make things difficult. No, I'm just joking. Um, so can you can you can you give the the sort of the listeners a little rundown about yourself and you know like what are the things outside of tech which which make you tick? I know you've got some incredibly interesting hobbies. <laughs> um, one of my big hobbies outside of tech is gardening. Um, we have a veggie garden every year, and then I've also really gotten into um, growing flowers, different kinds of um, all kinds of things, and. Um, I really, I also like photography, so I've started trying to photograph um, the flowers and plants we grow, like throughout their complete complete life cycle. Um, so the seed, the start, um, like right when it first comes out of the ground, and then the plant, and then as it starts to go to seed again, because it's really kind of fascinating to me. Like you really start to see um, 
like how the whole engineering of the plant kind of works together um, and, you know, how much you can learn about the plant and where it fits in in the like overall ecology based on how like the seed looks. And I just, I don't know, I find that really fascinating. Um, let's see. The, the photography and the gardening are probably my sort of biggest hobbies at the moment. Um, I, I would say gardening is like a full-time job for you. Like, I, I think it's just like, I wouldn't call it a hobby at this point because talking to you, I've learned so much about how much you care about these plants that you have uh, in the backyard. And like, you, you just like, you care so much. Uh, it's just almost like, almost like stresses you out sometimes, you know? Yeah, I do still have a greenhouse full of starts and um, uh, we've had a really hot summer here in Portland. And so that it's been hard um, to like get out and you don't want to plant stuff in the heat of the day. And then now we've got the wildfire smoke. So there's some stuff that's just like blooming in the, in the greenhouse in their little pots. And I'm, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, fellas. Like next year we'll have much more space. <laughs> I just don't have the luxury of living in, in London. There's, there's certainly not a, a patch enough of garden to grow anything that would sustain anybody for any period of time. I used to have a lawn of which I, I really, really loved until my dog ruined it. And now I've got AstroTurf. So I am, um, I, I think, but I do love gardening. I think not as an active participant, but I can see the real benefits in and understand why it's attractive to see things growing and, and to sort of, to be able to, you know, start something off, which is literally like nothing. And then for that to, to blossom into something bigger and, potentially huge as well, given enough time, if you, if you look at like a, a, a tree. And there's this, I think there is a similarity to, to open source. So like open source, you, you can start off with that tiny little seed. It's, it's nothing but an idea, but it's filled with potential. And then you nurture it and grow it. And you know, ultimately, you can, you can end up with something big and beautiful, or in the case of my open source projects, which I've tried, kind of wilted and kind of stinky. But... <sighs> Yeah, there's definitely, it's interesting because, you know, um, gardening is a very active hobby, but also it's, for me, a really strong reinforcer that it's not just about me, right? Like I have an active role, but the, uh, the seed, the seed does amazing things all by itself, just if I, you know, make sure it has the right conditions. And um, you, I've, gardening really reinforces for me that um, you can make mistakes and still, create really or be a part of creating really beautiful things so yeah there's a there's a good life lesson in in that as well you can you can make mistakes it is okay i mean let's talk to us about about tech and, and the time that you've spent at, at HashiCorp um so far then i know you've been spend quite a lot of time learning about the products and and sort of getting a little bit more in depth into the, the various different tools what have you learned? I mean, what, what are the, t the things that you've um, stuck out? What, what, what are the things that have stuck out to you or, or maybe impressed you or you found that need improvement? Oh, that's a lot. Let's see. So um, well, for one thing, I, I, um, I've had different roles throughout my career, but um, pretty much my first job in tech was when I was at university, I was a, a student assistant at the Network Operations Center. It was actually a, a graveyard job I thought you know these are things you think when you're in your late teens oh I can work all night and go to school all day and somehow this will this will be a great idea um, but so I had a lot of direct interaction with all kinds of systems there and you know started learning um, 
Linux or Unix command line, and um, there was a mainframe system there that had tape reels. Um, so I sort of um, I started tech in, with that operations mindset, and coming uh, back or coming to HashiCorp has really reminded me just how much I like operations and infrastructure. Like there's something that my brain just really digs about thinking on that on that level of stuff. Um, like I've done web application development and whatnot, and that's fine. And I certainly really value that as a skill set, but like I'm much happier sort of at that infrastructure layer. So that's just been a joy first off. And then um, it's also been, it's been a joy, but also like I, um, it's taken, you know, a good amount of effort to really dive in and understand our tools because our tools do some really amazing things. And there's a lot of mindfulness put in put into them and you know that DAO of HashiCorp that's like imbues everything that we produce um, so you know things like it took my brain a while to just get used to the idea that we you know our products come as a single binary and you run them in different modes right um, like like as soon as my brain went oh aha uh -huh, it, it was like oh that's brilliant um, but it it I had to really kind of um, internalize that and so as I'm putting together materials for others I always rem I remember that I say okay you know you don't have to uh, you know just remind people because you may not be the only one that is having that sort of conceptual uh, block um, it's been really interesting to dig in to the raft and gossip protocols um, to look at some of the underlying computer science fundamentals there um, let's see those are the those are the biggest things that come to mind. Nice. So I, I feel like your experience on both sides of like, you know, uh, the, the the software delivery process, which is like application development and, and the operation side, I think like anyone that has that experience is like today, I, th I feel like it's so unique. And I, and I think that gives a lot of context to, to who, uh, to who we kind of present our, our tools to, because it, it kind of helps them understand uh, that we do care about like both sides of the picture, which is like the operational and the developer side. So more recently, uh, you actually give a talk at uh, at the local uh, Portland meetup. Uh, I think it was a cloud native uh, mm -hmm. meetup. And that was super interesting because like, I felt like uh, seeing you prepared through that, uh, through, through that process of like, you know, going through every tool, understanding like the internals, understanding, as you said, like you, you went into, uh, you know, kind of looking through the raft, uh, raft and gossip protocols and stuff like that. It was super interesting for me because I felt like, you know, maybe I should go back and refresh some of these, some of these things. And I, I think that one of the things I felt like you did, you kind of like, kind of taught me is that like, I think when when I go about presenting some some place, like I do my due diligence, of course, but it 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 does it does matter to understand and go go back and kind of recap all the internals and everything else. So what, what, what was that experience like going through that process of like discovering Nomad, uh, understanding like ins and outs of Nomad, and then giving a talk on Nomad, which, which you want to resonate with like all the people that are there for that meetup? Uh, how was that process for you? Yeah, so the way I start almost every project is I think about what the intended audience is um, and what my goals are. So... In this case, the audience was um, a local Portland meetup, so uh, smaller groups, not a conference level, smaller group. It's in my hometown, so um, I knew it would be a decently friendly audience, right? And I wouldn't have to be traveling. 
Um, and I knew it was the cloud native meetup, so I knew that folks would sort of already, I wouldn't have to start from explaining what is cloud infrastructure, right? There'd be, there was sort of, um, folks were starting with, with that in mind. Um, and then I, I sort of assumed that since Kubernetes is the big, you know, um, the thing that a lot of people are using that folks would probably be, uh, have um, knowledge about that system. And then I said, okay, what are my goals? And my goal is basically to um, introduce Nomad and to give a, um, a, a reasonable enough high-level overview so that you would understand what Nomad was for and how you might use it in your organization. <clears throat> and then uh, I made an outline, and then Mishra, you and I reviewed that outline to make sure, like, am I covering sort of the key points? Um, it, as part of this, then I started and I went and looked at all of our existing material um, to sort of see what was out there and pulled different bits from existing material. Um, and then, but also, I wanted it to be, to have a narrative that made sense to me too. So, uh, you know, initially I thought, oh, I know we have intro decks, I'll just pick up one of those and make some minor changes. And I ended up doing more work than I originally thought I was gonna do to sort of make it fit like how I would tell the story of Nomad. Um, yeah, and then I put together the slides and then did some practice runs. Um, one of the things that was really awesome about giving that talk is that we uh, we have a good number of the Nomad product team here in Portland. Nice. So two of the engineers were able to attend. And uh, Mishra, you had kind of coached me on some of the questions I was likely to get and, and helped made sure I know the answers. But then, of course, there's always questions you don't anticipate. And having um, two people from the Nomad team there to kind of pick up the slack there was great. And um, yeah, I think I think it's important to remember that like when developer advocates or cloud developer advocates kind of present, I think Zach and I talk about this a lot too, is that, um, you know, you don't, we aren't experts at like, you know, that one distributed system field. And we might be, but uh, in, in some fields, we might be experts, but like uh, people, you know, people think that, oh, you have to be an expert to speak at like a meetup or a conference. That's not true. Uh, uh, we are like living examples of why, why you know, why it's not true. I think it's, it's all about like, uh, how do you uh, convey that message about like maybe the first time learning experience or like this was my first impression about this open source project or, or this one project that I like to uh, like to present to a certain audience. And I think that's really important to kind of emphasize on too. Uh, and I think that's that's what I got to see, like uh, you know, from your perspective, is like how you perceive uh, a technology and what's your process. And and re I really appreciate you sharing that with the audience, which is pretty awesome. Um, switching gears a little bit, so what are you working on nowadays? Like what's the what's going on in in the in the DA uh, in the in the DA kind of circle inside of HashiCorp, and what 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 is the main focus right now for you? So right now, I'm just about to wrap up a four-post uh, blog series about uh, Nomad and resiliency, which is super cool, and I'm very excited about that. And then I'll be uh, working on a blog post about Vault. So sort of my initial uh, projects onboarding was to write uh, a blog post about each of our products. Um, and no, no, no small order there. Like these are, you know, uh, that's one of the things about being a three person DA team when we have, you know, five products. Um, so, and then another switching gears from that will, um, we're starting to 
build out more resources for our user group organizers. And so I'll be helping to organize some content um, um, for them. So if you think, you know, we were just talking about that nomad talk, kind of making that so anyone uh, of our user groups uh, could have those materials and deliver that talk at their local user group. Because we can't, we can't go to every single user group every month. Yeah, we, we have a lot of uh, HashiCorp user groups around the world. And I feel like this would help all the conference organizers and speakers there uh, if we did have some some content that was available right away. And I'm, I'm glad that you're working on that. And that's probably really useful. I got a great question. It's my favorite question of the show. Oh, my God. Here we go. He's, I can tell Nick is gearing yeah, up to throw a curveball. always the, the one question. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. Embracing. No, no. This is a great question. Okay, so a little bit less serious. I'm going to pitch this to Christy first. Christy, if you were a plant, which plant would you be and why? Let's see. I would be a branching sunflower. Uh, not one of the super tall ones, you know, like kind of, you know, probably about my height, but, you know, five and a half, a little over five and a half feet. Uh, branching because um, I, I'm one of those people that have a lot of interests, right? Um, and uh. just sunflower because uh, I think they're really pretty and I love how they, um, I love how you get to enjoy them as a plant. Like I have one right in the center of one of our flower beds but also and the flowers are beautiful but then they make awesome seeds and then the so late in the season the birds all come and they're like yum 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 seeds so it's like they nourish the community around them i'm i'm impressed i think that's the the best answer i ever had to the, the this question and uh zach's looking worried there but um zach which <laughs> which plant would you be and why um so i'll just start off by saying that maybe this is not this answer would have to be on my based on my own experience because this may not be for everybody, but I'd probably be an orchid because uh -huh. I'm hard to take care of and uh, <laughs> I uh, I can die easily. Um, yeah, that's uh, <laughs> that's all I got. I love it. Good choice. Come on, Misha. I got I got <laughs> nothing. I I would be a potato like a potato plant like like a potato plant like I think it's it's Stop. fine like you know you you dig them out you duck you dig them out you you eat them you know they they they're super tasty uh, you can make fries you know you can put them with other veggies and make a really good veggie fry or something I don't know I would be a potato. All right, I apologize to the listeners for um, having to put up with that last question. But... <laughs> no, no, hold on, hold on, Nick. What about you? Oh, come on, I don't have to answer this question. No, no, wait, wait. What, what would That's you my be? Question. I don't know. I'd, I'd be a chili, <laughs> a chili plant because um, I like chilies and they come in lots of different varieties and some are hotter and spicier than others. But um, I'd be a Scotch bonnet chili plant. Um, I don't know why. Don't don't ask me why. I haven't got time to think about that. But I want to thank you, thank you both for for taking the time to to come on the show today. Um, Thank you so much, Zach. I know um, your time is really, really busy. And thank you so much, Christy. I'm, I'm hoping it's been an interesting show and we're going to get a lot more from, from Christy on, on HashiCast. So stay tuned and thanks so much. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. You've been listening to HashiCast with your hosts, Nick and Mishra. Today's guests have been Zachary Teptawa from Microsoft and Christy Taylor from HashiCorp. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.